0: Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent Kyle Seraphin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Seraphin Show. Today is Wednesday. It's August the twenty-third. We are rocking and rolling. We are streaming live from Liberty Hill, Texas, America. We were threatening some rain here the uh, earlier last night. We got a couple little drops, and it looked like it was coming in, but we are back in the Heat Dome. The Heat Dome is where apparently you show this really scary graphic on your news program with a big swirling heat ball over a part of America that I live in, and then I guess the Heat Dome can decay into heat lightning, which brings about my favorite, the Thunderdome. The Thunderdome is when two climate activists enter only one leaves on some sort of bicycle or ev-powered vehicle isn't that right ryan isn't that how the the thunderdome works to enter i think so man i think (laughs) so too so we're coming in we're coming in kind of hot today we're coming in on two wheels folks uh for those of you who have never been in a vehicle that has been up on two wheels that's when you take your turn far too quickly and uh the vehicle's center of gravity shifts to the point where only two wheels of the four are on the ground. That is how we are running in today. I've got no articles. I found nothing that I wanted to read to you. What I wanted to do was do a big reflection on the scenario, big picture of what's going on in this country right now, and maybe an interesting uh, take that I haven't heard anybody else sharing. This came from, uh, horribly enough, a Twitter interaction where somebody was like, what's the solution? What are we looking at? And the scenario came to me in my brain uh, which is full of nerdy little clips and tidbits and things that uh, I wish I didn't know, but unfortunately, I have to know because I can't forget them. And it's the story of the Kobayashi Maru. So we're going to talk about Kobayashi Maru. That is the name of this episode. We will get some of that very, very shortly. And then Ryan had a, a pretty funny little comment on her. We've got a handful of clips. We're going to be showing you a bunch of videos. So if you're not watching on YouTube or Rumble, if you are not streaming this on Twitter with us, you're going to be missing out on some of the visuals. I would encourage you to check them out. Come on, join us over on Rumble if you want to be in the live chat. I see a bunch of new faces today, so we're really excited about that. Let's start off uh, with a quick thank you to our sponsor over at Patriot Coolers. You guys can find your own Patriot Coolers. You can get a Tumblr like I've got sitting on my desk right now. You can get one of their rotomoted coolers, which are equivalent to like an Arctic or a Yeti. Uh, Far superior, I would say, due to the branding and the fact that this company is out of Houston, Texas. Not the weirdos in Austin like the Yeti guys. They're out of Houston, which is still... One of the big oil capitals of the world. Um, Patriotcoolers.com. Check them out and use promo code KYLE. That's K-Y-L-E. It's very simple. It's four letters and it saves you 10%. It'll save you 10%. And If you buy any of their bigger items, you're going to get free shipping easily. If you buy, I think just two tumblers is going to move you into the free shipping range. 10% off. Supports our show. Supports disabled vets. We appreciate them. Patriotcoolers.com. Check out all their stuff. They've got some really good branded stuff. But this is their big product right there. This is one of those things you're going to want uh, if the world goes to hell. Ryan just told me he's ready to just start stacking ammo, snatching souls, and sitting in a uh, blind up in the mountains. I think many of us are looking at this country and going, <laughs> what in the actual hell has happened to our country? Not only are we living, living under the uh, the geriocracy, but we are actually living under an idiocracy. And if you have not seen the movie by Mike Judge, you are missing out on some of the references, but we'll get there today. We're going to give you at least a little taste of it. And I'll I'll, I'll just apologize up front that the, the language is spicy, but as... As our societal fabric is getting stretched, I think we are getting stupider and we are tolerating dumber voices. So we're gonna see some of that. Uh, One of those dumber voices is in fact, the current president of this country in a a really sad way. So here's the layout. I'm gonna give you kind of a, um, I'm gonna give you a scenario. I'm gonna tell you a story from one of my buddies who is a special forces operator. He's a Green Beret. And this came out of his Q course experience. The Q course is the long pipeline of training that goes in from the time you get out of basic training all the way up until you get the green hat and you become a green beret, uh, uh, someone who can claim the title of a special forces operator who goes on into the field. And then generally speaking, you don't get any respect until you have a couple of deployments under your belt. But there's a mindset that special forces has always gone after. It's unconventional warfare. And the people that are doing force multiplication, we had this interesting Twitter space the other day where they were talking about if you live in a blue state and you are a red voter, if you are a conservative living behind enemy lines, as it were, you got two options. You can beat feet, as we like to say in the military, you can beat feet and leave. And many of you probably should choose that. And the reason why is because the alternative is you have a... Pretty much a duty to yourself, not to anybody else, but to yourself to become a counterinsurgent in that area. Your job should be sharing information. You should be winning hearts and minds. These are all very, very military terms that most of you got familiar with in the Iraq and the Afghanistan conflict. Hearts and minds campaigns. You have to be moving people towards the goal of them looking at their current situation and saying, man, I didn't like Trump. I had all these irrational fears about it, but you know what? My 401k was doing an awful lot better. My paycheck went a lot further. My gas prices were lower. My overall experience in this country was better. You have to be out there sharing that, whether you want to call it a red pill, whether you want to call it a white pill, whether you want to call it a uh, no pill at all because you're scared of pills because uh, fentanyl kills right now. Under this administration, we're seeing an awful lot coming in and it's increasing. If you want to call it anything, you should be calling it a counterinsurgency. And if not, it's time for you to bail out. It's time for you to find a place to go. We got into a little discussion, Ms. G maybe in the chat out there. We we got onto Twitter and and the question is this how come we don't have more federal whistleblowers that are out there sharing their experience of what's going wrong in the government? And the answer is, is they face the same situation that you may face living in a blue state if you are out there going, I don't agree with any of this. You have obligations, you have family members. You have things that are going on. You have uh, you know, spouses with jobs that they can't leave easily. So if you are going to be behind enemy lines, if you are going to be there, counterinsurgency is your job. Hearts and minds campaigns, living the example, showing people why being someone who supports Trump or Vivek or DeSantis, I don't actually care about any of these things. These are th- those are playing within the paradigm of the scenario that is put in front of us. I think we need to go outside of it. So, um, Here's the story from my buddy Dave in his Q course selection. So he goes to special forces selection. One of the things you do famously is a navigation course that is called the star course. I've been on the star course. I almost died on the star course. It is a challenge specifically because it's North Carolina. It's full of brambles, uh, briars, and, you know, stickers and all these wait a minute vines. And they're really hard to cut through and they'll slice your body up. And then there's all these nasty places to walk. They're called draws, but a lot of them are full of wet, swampy stuff. It is a, it's a horrible place to go and train on purpose. It's supposed to be difficult, and it is. It's, it's very challenging. And when it's really hot, there's no water. You may not be able to carry enough water with you for multi-day uh, you know, sort of training, bivouac stuff. So it's it's a challenge. So all these guys go out there, and they give you the rules of the scenario. The rules are as follows. If you are caught running on one of the hardball roads, that means like either a dirt road or something that is paved, then you will be eliminated from the course. And you must hit all the points. You must follow the rules of all the, you know, the, the instructors that give you. You have to basically go out and follow the uh, navigation star, which basically takes you to these five different points. And when you end back up at home, you have to do so in the allotted time. Otherwise, you fail the scenario. So it's a time. There's a couple of rules that you can't break, which is to say if you run on the, on the roads and you're caught. What they don't tell you is that you cannot do this thing. They say if you are caught doing this thing, then you will be removed. And that goes to the point of where we're at right now. And I think many of you have seen the elections that happened in 2020, in 2022, and you're saying there's a lot of cheating happening. We don't know exactly what it was. We have allegations and suspicions. Um, One of the things that Ryan and I always go kind of go back and forth is he shares a lot of allegations Without a lot of evidence behind the allegation, it is just that. It looks like that we call that smoke without the fire. You need the fire. You need to dig down to it. So we don't always have that. But we know that there's something wrong. We feel like there's some cheating. And so when we think about that, we have to decide whether we want to be like special forces operators and and try to win or if we want to play within the rules and lose. Now, you can make the star course navigation on time under your own two feet. It's really difficult and it can suck and you do it at night and you're not running with night vision. So there's a big difficulty there. Or you can do the kind of time-honored counterinsurgent, the, uh, the, the special operations troop motto, which is to say, if you are not cheating, you're not trying. This said a little nicer, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, okay? You have to cheat in order to win if you want to do it, most efficiently. Your job is to think outside of conventional boxes and work in the unconventional space. I had a uh, an instructor when I was going through one of my courses who said, you must operate in the gray. The gray is, we told you that if you get caught, you're removed, but we didn't tell you that you couldn't do this thing. What we told you essentially was don't get caught. Okay? That is the the idea. So here's the story of Dave's buddy. So they're all out there. Everyone's doing their navigation. Of course, the instructors know what is the choke point where the places are that they're going to catch you on these hardball roads because you want to run the roads because it's way faster to run on a road than it is over open territory or breaking brush anybody who's ever done land nav in the military knows what I'm talking about you're having flashbacks you're having PTSD i apologize for triggering that that reaction it is a difficult course it's a difficult thing to do on purpose so you get out there you're running the roads well these guys are doing it at night so the, all the sf guys the, these these uh, q course selection candidates are running through and everybody's given a certain loadout. They have the same loadout. They got a blue force tracker in. The first thing they do is disable that so they can't track you because if they, if they track you on the road, obviously, they're going to be able to prove you cheated. So those guys take that thing out. So now their safety net is gone. And they're all running these roads. Uh, there's a great scenario. This this choke point is set up. There's a couple of instructors there. So they're sitting in a Humvee. They got a bunch of spotlights on the rim of it. And they're ready to light up anybody who comes cruising through. And the first guy comes cruising through and uh, they light him up and they say, uh, you, candidate, step forward, uh, surrender your tag, whatever, you're out. And he gives up and he gets put in the back of the Humvee and he's done. He's out. The second guy shows up, all right, and he comes running all up. They hit him with the lights and they go, hey, you, uh, you know, candidate, whatever. What number are you? And, And he says, screw you. And he dives into the bushes and the bushes are full of brambles and spikes and stuff. And he low crawls through this horrible brush. And as he goes low crawling through, he's getting all sliced up. But everybody is sliced up at the end of the day. So he calls, you know, crawling through all this brambles and brush. And he comes out and the instructors look at it and they go, no, it's not worth it. I'm not going after that guy and he gets away. And the third guy comes running up the road. And these are all real people, by the way. This is like a this is an actual story. This is not like a parable. The third guy comes running up the road and they light him up and they go, "You, you know, tell us your candidate number and and, and surrender." And he reaches into his pack, and one of the things that you get as a safety mechanism is what's called a force penetrator flare. It is a a flare that you hit the bottom of it. It's jet-activated. It'll go through three levels of canopy. They used them in Vietnam to be able to symbolize where the person was under the jungle canopy, and they could put in a rescue mission. So for whatever reason, they give you that as part of your loadout. If you're in danger, you can pop the flare and it goes out. This guy pulls his flare out, points it directly at the windshield of the Humvee, hits the back end of the thing, sends this sparking, the sparking flare which explodes on the Humvee windshield and the instructors dive out of the way because there's a explosive, you know, flare flying at their faces and they weren't expecting it. And this guy runs off into the darkness. Now, Everybody finishes the course. That finishes the course. All the uh, final candidates that have survived this sort of ordeal are all standing in a row, and they can't tell the guy who went low crawling off into the bushes. And they go, "All right, all of you have passed on to the next phase. The only thing you must do is produce your flare. Produce your flare, okay?" And so they all show their flares except the one guy who's got the flare that's expended. So he holds out an empty flare, and they go, "You step over there. We're going to interrogate you for a minute." So they interrogate him, and they say, "Where's your flare?" And he said, I deployed it. And they said, yeah, we know. Where did you deploy your flare? And he said, "Uh, at the windshield of the Humvee that was telling me to surrender. (laughs) And they go, why did you do that? (laughs) And he says, I deployed my flare because the rules were that uh, if you get captured, if you get caught running on the road, then you'll be eliminated. And I didn't want to get eliminated. That's it. That's the end of the story and they said that's the kind of outside the box thinking that we are looking for go back and join your classmates you, you know you passed this this iteration so i want you to consider the idea that we are in a scenario now where you have done the thing that needed to be done and now you have to you have to play within the rules but only the rules as they are stated and for those of you who are trekkies and there are plenty of you these nerdy types that love this the story of the kobayashi maru Is one of those classic pieces of Star Trek history. It's the reason why Captain James T. Kirk was the guy that everybody loved because he knew how to break, he knew how to break the expectations, and he would change. He would always try to win. He was the quintessential American. It's like you can't do that. He goes, No, can't I? Uh, Because I'm going to do it anyway. And so the Kobayashi Maru scenario. We're going to show what it is. And uh, I've got that. That's video clip number four, Ryan, if you want to get it queued up. This is a, a kind of a longer clip, uh, but it's it's Star Trek, so it's entertaining. I think you guys will get a kick out of it. We are now in the American Kobayashi Maru scenario. You'll also see uh, Chris, Kirstie Alley is in this from her days when she was playing the Betazoid Captain, which is kind of, like I said, I don't know why I know those things either, but I do. I know too much about Star Trek for my own comfort. Let's go ahead and throw this up. This is video clip number four. This is the Kobayashi Maru scenario. We're going to apply it to America today. Let's go ahead and run it. Now entering the neutral zone.
1: Warning, we have entered neutral zone.
0: We are now in violation of treaty, Captain.
1: Standby transporter room ready to beam survivors aboard.
2: Captain! I've lost their signal. Alert.
1: Sensors indicate three Klingon cruisers bearing 316 mark 4. Closing fast. Visual. Battle stations, activate shields. Shields activated. Inform the Klingons we are on a rescue mission. They're jamming all the frequencies, Captain. Klingons on attack course and closing. We're Klingons over on our attack. Mister Sulu, get course. us out of here. I'll try, Captain. Alert. Klingon torpedoes activated. Alert. Evasive action. Engineering damage report. Main energizer hit, Captain. Engage auxiliary power. Prepare to return fire. Shields collapsing, Captain. Fire all faces No power to the weapons, Captain. Captain, it's no use. We're dead in speed. Activate escape pods. Send out the log boy, all hands abandon ship. Repeat all hands abandon ship. All right, open her up. Any suggestions, Admiral?
3: Prayer, Mr. Suffick. The Klingons don't take prisoners. Lights. No. Lieutenant, you are looking at the only Starfleet cadet who ever beat the no-win scenario. How? I reprogrammed the simulation so it was possible to rescue the ship. What? He cheated. I changed the conditions of the test. Got a commendation for original thinking. I don't like
0: to lose. All right. So Captain Kirk does not like to lose. That's why he's such an American sort of uh, icon. This is why we love that. This is the Cold War mentality. It's like if the if the scenario does not fit a losing or a winning scenario, then we just change the rules of the scenario or we play, we color outside of the lines. We work in that gray space, the space that is outside of the hard, hard uh, delineated sort of uh, parameters. There's a couple of people that are out there making some some ideas about this. I'm trying to get Leo D'Onofrio on to come and talk about his idea. I can do it in, in about two minutes, and we may kind of hit the high points on it. But I want him to flesh it out because it's his his idea. I listened to it in a, a long discussion that he had with a, number of, a couple of lawyers, and it's better off to hear from him. However, I will I will paraphrase it at the end of this. But uh, instead of dealing with a scenario where we are slowly losing, which I think is the generally conservative position, the, the idea that you are defending ground— as a conservative, you are trying to conserve what exists is always going to put you on the back foot. It's always going to put you in a lose lose scenario like this Kobe Kobayashi Maru scenario, because the progressive left is constantly on the attack and they are not attacking symmetrically. They are fighting asymmetrically. They are fighting about climate change, which has nothing to do with cutting genders, genitals, uh, genitals off young kids. And yet they're willing to do that, too. They're willing to do all kinds of weird things that have nothing to do with each other other than they are all attacks on all sides of the thing that, that people who are conservative are trying to preserve. And so you are always in a defensive position. You are always on the back foot. That puts you in a potential losing scenario. The nice thing about the people that are conservative voters inside of blue areas is that you can fight that by winning hearts and minds. You can fight from all angles. You're literally surrounded at all times. So everybody that you deal with is a potential win on the hearts and minds category. Okay, so where are we sitting right now? What is going on in this world? We talked about climate change. We talked about the, uh, the fact that they are trying to do some messaging wins. There's a couple of things that are happening at the same time. Number one, they are trying to weaponize the idea that wildflower fires, which happen in all parts of the world, and they happen during summer months when things are the hottest and they are the driest. That is standard. They have happened for all time, as far as we can tell. In fact, there are certain plants that require these fires in order to germinate. But they're acting like this is a thing that is a man-made failure. We talked about the uh, the 15-minute the cities, the 15-minute prisons, as many of you people have pointed out, that they are a social bubble where they contain you. Those are part of the uh, – that's part of the narrative that's being driven because of, quote-unquote, climate change, because of, look, fires are bad. Okay? But here is the foolish response that we have to it. Can you play, can you play uh, clip number three for me first? This is Joe Biden. When he finally made it out to Hawaii, by the way, 172 days and counting, hasn't made it out to East Palestine, hasn't made it to Ohio because that didn't help his narrative. That actually just showed that government failure is pretty significant and the Department of Transportation doesn't do what it needs to be doing. But he did finally make it to Hawaii because there's a lot of blue voters out there. And this was the message that he had to share about how, you know, it's really not about the people in Hawaii who have lost loved ones, people who have been killed in fires. And it's not even really about climate change. It's really about Joe It's really about, it's always been about Joe. Can you play clip number three for me?
3: I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake It's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, (laughs) and my cat. But all kidding aside, I watched the firefighters, the way they responded. You know, there's an old expression, I grew up right across the street from a fire hall in Claymont, Delaware, and the expression is God made man, and then he made a few firefighters. You're all crazy, thank God. The only people who run into flames to help other people, and they ran into flames, to save my wife and saved my family. Not a joke. The smoke and the firefighters here can tell you sometimes smoke is so thick from the windows out, it was that thick inside the home. And we were we were insured. We did not have any problem. But being out of our home for the better part of a year was difficult. I can only imagine what it's like to lose your home.
0: Well, I mean, uh, well, I'm going to we he's going to talk about my stories? because uh, there's people that die and I don't have any connection. I'm shocked that he didn't bring up the other pieces that uh, his son died from the uh, the burn pits in Iraq that he didn't die from. So that didn't happen there. But uh, this guy is on a, a comedy tour, apparently. Not a joke. It's not a joke. He's on a comedy tour in Hawaii where these people have just lost everything. If you notice early on in that video clip, uh, the, the guys who've got the little ukuleles behind him are looking like, what planet have we arrived on? And uh, also, I want to make a correction. Marlene in the chat corrected me that Kirstie uh, Alley's character was a Vulcan. She was not a Betazoid, which makes me feel slightly better about actually not knowing the right answer on that. I actually feel better when I know less things about Star Trek than uh, than I initially claimed. So that's that's pretty good for me. But here he is doing his comedy routine, going out there talking about how it's really about like a fire we once had where I didn't lose anything and nothing happened, but there was some smoke. I cannot. We choose truth over facts. (laughs) (laughs) You just catch me off guard with this. Look, there's more. There's more to this. Okay, Um, we're gonna play uh, clip number one here. His his inability to connect with human beings is the reason why so many people said there's no chance this guy got 81 million votes. It's one of the reasons why you look out there and go, is there any possibility that this guy was rightfully elected in this country, and uh, or were they pulling the strings behind? It's because of these video clips. This guy is totally unrelatable. He's totally lost it. And he lost it long before he was elected. We'll use the air quotes here. Long before he was elected in 2020. Let's play clip number one. Uh, once again, it's all about Joe. It continues to be all about Joe. Let's rock that one out real quick.
3: America's deadly wildfire, deadliest wildfire in over a century. And Jill and I have what's left of Walk Front Street, what's left of it. We've surveyed the damage in the air as well. The devastation is overwhelming to date, 114 dead, hundreds of people unaccounted for. I remember when I got the call, my first wife and daughter, I was a young senator and I got a call in Washington. I hadn't been sworn in yet. I wasn't old enough. And I was hiring staff in the Capitol at Teddy Kennedy's office. And I got a phone call saying from my fire department, and a young first responder kind of panicked, you got to come home. There's been an accident. So what happened? He said, your wife, she, she she's dead. Come home. Come home. The tractor trailer had broadsided her and uh, uh, killed her in a car accident along with my little daughter. And uh, I remember all the way down from Washington home, wondering what a lot of people here are wondering. What about my two boys? How are they? They were in the car. I never got a read on that. Were they going to be all right They were badly injured? Were they going to make it? Had they made it? until I walked into the emergency room and I saw that they were there. The difference.
0: There it is. There it is. It's all about him. Uh, V Gunn just pointed out we could actually do an entire segment. We could probably do a whole show of did Monty Python or did Joe Biden say it? Because these are absurd. These are self-parody. It goes on and on. He's talking about his own personal life story. And that is not empathy, people. That has nothing to do with him touching the, the hearts of the, the those around him. You can actually see Jill Biden cringing when she's going, oh, my God, he's going to go do the the story about the wife again. And these poor people just want to hear some hope. Like, what about the plan? What about the plan for the federal government? They're going to be handing out $700 to each household, not to each individual. That's the plan. That's the entirety of it. That was it. Um Totally probably against the, the constitutional order. It doesn't actually fit in the Article 2 powers of the presidency to start handing out money to people in disaster zones. But I guess if it's already been uh, allocated to FEMA or something, maybe they can they can allocate it in that way. He can make that decision. It doesn't slow down the $115 billion or whatever it is that we're sending over to Ukraine. So God forbid we take care of American citizens first. And in order to prove how much he really does care, we've got video clip number two. Joe, uh, this is really a visual. So if you're not watching, you're going to want to tune into about halfway through the show here and, and check this video out. Or you can find some of it online. Joe Biden apparently was so moved by what was happening in Hawaii that he passed out like he's done so many times. He checked his watch. He decided it was bedtime and uh, he couldn't pay attention for the funerals or the uh, the unloading of the bodies of the 13 people that he got killed over in Afghanistan. And apparently he couldn't care less about the people that were sitting uh, at this dinner in Hawaii. So he just drew, you know, just dozed off. Here we go. Let's go play uh, video clip number two.
1: By someone they may have never met before. We are a community that relies on family, on Ohana, whether by blood blood. Oh, by friendship but like many others my son's home burned down
0: there it is that's apparently the most powerful man in the world and he can't make it through a dinner speech where someone is talking about how his son's house burned down and sort of the the nature of hawaiian culture to band together like family ohana uh i think i i learned that word either when i was in hawaii my, I have a brother who lives in Hawaii. He lives in Hawaii. Or I may have learned it from Lilo and Stitch. So thanks, Disney. But uh, Joe Biden did not learn it. He did not understand that. It also means that you have to pay attention to the people who are suffering and maybe do something about it. Um, in, the meantime, in the meantime, it was not well received, it turns out, that people are starting to wake up. This is the reason why your counterinsurgency is necessary. It's not going to all be uh, self-inflicted victories or self-inflicted wounds. It's not going to be unforced errors all day long. Although there are plenty of them, we saw if you'll close you up uh, clip number five, we saw that uh, Joe Biden's welcome in a very blue state was maybe less warm than he hoped. It turns out people actually want their issues addressed, and when they are in a time of crisis, they would like to see a responsive federal government, that empathy that they were promised, and yet uh, it didn't materialize. And uh, the reaction is somewhat stimulating. It's actually somewhat a little bit hopeful to see that people are starting to wake up just a tiny little bit, uh, clip number five, if you would. So a little cheer of FJB, not a lot of love there as he awkwardly walks around like a human being wearing a diaper that may or may not be filled. Um, our sources over at Secret Service has told us the diaper stories are real. They are not exaggerations. And, uh, and that's awkward for everybody. It's that I heard it in the chat. I saw it in the chat, rather. Elder abuse. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about basically abusing this empty vessel of a human being. You, for all of the, uh, the failings of Ron DeSantis saying something about listless vessels, you want to talk about a listless vessel. That man has no rudder. He gets pointed wherever he goes. And it seems like it's being pointed by this woman who really, really wanted to sit in the White House and be first lady. So that's Jill. Uh, and anybody else that tolerates it is complicit as well. So there we have the uh, the FJB moments. But that doesn't mean that you can't do evil with these people and, and, and that Joe Biden is not complicit in it. And one of the reasons why I say we have to change the paradigm when the scenario is lose-lose, part of the losing is that we can't even get real regular reporting on it. We can't actually get Facts on the ground in a meaningful way because they are willing to change the game. We've got a couple things in here. And if you're sticking around with us right now, stay tuned to the end. We're going to break something here that you're not seeing anywhere else. Uh, you're, it came from uh, our friend uh, on Twitter, George Hill. So at Senior Chief EXW, put it out there. It was very, very small. So we're going to try to uh, boost the signal on this little document. But uh, let's just show... What happens, you've got the clip of, uh, of Nick Soder. If you wanna go and ask questions, critical questions of this regime, you're gonna get handled in a way that has not been very common in America. You were supposed to be able to ask questions. That's what our freedom of the press means. And yet, uh, this is how you were treated. A little bit more rough than we would hope. Go ahead and run that clip if you like, Ryan. Two Piston was wrapping up a
1: media briefing in La today when a man confronted him about the information being publicly released. We have no we are idea. Not anything not anything we're for we're yeah, That's independent journalist Nick Soder, His social media says he flew in from Louisville two days ago. Police well, asked Soder to calm down and even physically held him back. He persisted, but it eventually ended peacefully. You oh, don't know who you are. you find yourself. Yeah. you Yeah. yeah. You yeah. 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 talk to you. Yeah. So, we're not gonna ask, it. we're not gonna ask that question. It's uh, but these 10 cadavers okay. are put the f- department, are okay? The uh, press show is over. I appreciate yeah. your so, he's not gonna a- he's not gonna answer. He's my done. Questions it, okay? Thank you. Take pictures of me. There's no need for You're, You're you. You're with Maui police, right? Yeah, he's done with the press I appreciate conference. appreciate Yeah, get out of my way. Who are you? The Police Department. Okay, and what's my crime? You're literally pushing me. The press me. conference is I over. I don't care the press conference is over. Get out of the way! Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Alright, so sir, 110 cadavers, but we can't... Oh, we can't, some can't real identify... Yeah. Yeah. We can't identify yeah. how many of them are children. Oh, are this be is... Be get relax. out of my... I'm fucking care. dude, get off my relax, throat. Relax, sir. No, relax. I'm not relax. gonna get... Relax. No, I'm not relax. gonna... Okay. I'm not gonna relax, dude. I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm trying to ask a question, and we can't get the answer for it. Yeah. Yeah. Same problem. Huh. How many of the 110 dead are children? You know, you know who are children. They're cadavers. You have the bodies. You know how many of them are children. How many children are dead? Step please. How many children are dead, Mayor? So you're just, it's you're just not piece. gonna tell. I don't know. I was yes, you answer. do. How many children are missing? You know. I knew the answer to that. I'd be happy to answer that. You have no estimate right. as to how many so, children are missing. I guess Nothing? we can end this right now. If you guys want? Sorry, <laughs> this how, is always you know, the. the all right, all that, that's enough of, of what we're seeing here. Answer? So it you always know, takes one or two to ruin it for everybody.
0: It always takes one or two to ruin it for everybody. It always takes people who are journalists asking questions to try to get the answers uh, to really ruin the whole point of the press conference, which is, in fact, propaganda. And so this is what a police state looks like, folks. It's been brought up on multiple different uh, arenas. I know Dinesh D'Souza talks about it. I know that Dan Bongino talks about it. Uh, I was part of a a, a documentary sort of um, laying out the case that is going to show that the American experience right now is closer to a police state than it's ever been, and one of the reasons is is when you have public officials that are not accountable to the people that elected them or to the people that are the press who are supposed to hold their feet to the fire. That's literally... What has always been the case? You ask the hard questions. They either have an answer or they don't. The American people make up their mind, and then they vote the people in that are supposed to do it. Hawaii is a really backwards little world. And for those of you who live in Hawaii, you know what I'm talking about. It is run by a small group of people. My brother's island, he used to tell me, this goes back you know, 25 years, and he probably wouldn't say this anymore because he's been living there so long. But when we first got there, and he'd been there for, I don't know, five or six years in Hawaii, he goes, um, it's run by like 12 angry Hawaiian men, like the whole island is. And everybody just sort of, it's a very elder-based culture. It's very tribal. Um, that's their choice. That's their area. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't want to live there. That's behind enemy lines for me. And yet, you talk about um, you know this sort of culture of people stepping in front of a reporter and telling him he's done. You saw the bullying tactics. Uh, and Nick is doing what reporters have always done. They're trying to get the answer to the question. They're trying to put people's feet to the fire. And the reason is, is because if they're not going to answer that question, it tells us a little bit about what's going on there as well. They they clearly know more than what they are saying, and they're not giving information out. It's, it's, it's tragic. And then the other tragedy is, is that we have this old, decrepit man who's out there talking about, uh, you know, his own personal tragedies, and he can't even – be bothered with the specifics of what's going on on the island there. So I didn't want to to leave this in. There's still going to be a lot more reporting that comes out of out of what happened in Maui, and I, I'm probably not going to be covering all of it. We'll cover it when the stories get pretty obvious and there's a, a narrative that we can weave together for you all. But you know, any of you who are watching this already know it's absolutely disgraceful. It's truly disgraceful. But. It's par for the course for this particular president. Uh, not surprising. We're going to see a couple of other sort of disgraces. I'm going to go back in history a little bit. We talked about masks and what goes on there and why they're so important that we that we are aware. It's really, really easy to forget because there's so many atrocities that our our government keeps getting involved in. There's so many outrageous things that they just want you to move on to the next news cycle. We cannot. We have to remember these things. We have to bring them to the forefront, and we will. But before we do that, I want to say thanks over to my friends at Catholic Vote. You all know Catholic Vote. Uh, Ryan, if you give me a full screen right here, this is The Loop, The Loop for Tuesday, August the 22nd. And uh, let me pull up my copy of The Loop as well, because what it says is we have... A uh, President Trump says he's not going to attend the debates. In some ways, I I was against this initially. And you can read the story there in the loop. You just go to catholicvote.org and put in your email address. You'll be able to get the the loop emailed to you first thing in the morning. He says that he's not going to be attending the debates. Basically, he's got a 62% um, polling rate. And the next closest is DeSantis at 16. Uh, Behind him is is, uh, people like Vivek Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, Amusingly, someone referred to it as the vice presidential (laughs) debates. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but generally speaking, the vice presidential debates happen after we have a front runner for both of the parties and uh, and then whoever their their second in command would be, whoever their vice president, they have a debate. And then the potential, you know, um, the nominees from each party have a debate. I think it's funny that these people are all running for second place right now. Maybe, maybe not. And uh, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But they got other couple things. things are talking about rain in the southwest because of the the tropical storm Hillary that came in and wiped out emails. Um, Oh, we're seeing the uh, the old that's Tuesdays, isn't it? I'll pull up the other one later. Um, anyway, check out the loop. It's got lots of good information, and uh, and it is available to you early in the morning. Again, CatholicVote.org. Check in and put in your email address. Sorry about that. I have the wrong uh, loop pulled up. The reason why is because I've got another piece of my email right here, which just came in this morning, and this is—I'll show you the screen if you can see it. You probably won't be able to. This is our certification of incorporation in the state of Delaware for the, sus- the suspendables— support fund the SSF which we are going to be able to start taking care of our guys like Gerardo Boyle and Marcus Allen and the next whistleblower that comes forward from the FBI and there will be another I'm sure and they will get crushed we just got our incorporation information in the email so that actually um, I won't be able to show it easily because it won't it won't focus on the camera but we do have it done we've been slowly working on this our 501c4 and uh, once we get the final Bank account set up and we're ready to disperse the monies. We'll go do it on a big program. I think Seb Gorka said he's going to do a, a expo on it. And uh, Dr. Gorka actually is going to be on our board. He volunteered for it. So nice to get a little bit of support from folks. So we're going to pivot a little bit towards the memory. And uh, I, I mentioned that we are dealing with not the smartest people in America that are running us. I've talked about the uh, the geriocracy, which is the old. But we also have kind of an idiocracy that's been going on in this country. And Idiocracy was a movie that was that was made by Mike Judge. I think it was in many ways. It predicted sort of this time, although he didn't get all the details right. He had a a black president who was a former WWF wrestler. And instead, we ended up getting Donald Trump, who was also on WWF, WWE at one point and in a lot of ways is kind of a a TV star of that sort of uh, just wild character. But this, the part about Idiocracy that was the most obvious to us is that we were breeding dumber and dumber, and we were allowing less and less capable people to be in charge of things. I've got a little clip. It's mostly for humor, and then we're going to go back and talk about some of the stuff that went on with the uh, the COVID tyrannies. But uh, this is a clip from Dr. Lexis' office in Idiocracy. If you have uh, kids that are young and you need to screen them from some, some language, there's some language in this – it can't be done without the language. We used to actually know that comedy and humor and some foul language kind of went together. So this is a rare exception. We're going to play this only because I, I couldn't get a good bleeping of this. Uh, if you'll queue up video clip number eight, Ryan, we will play Dr. Lexus. And I want to draw some parallels between how prophetic Mike Judge was with this sort of moment. Tune into the end when he starts asking about the tattoo as well. The beginning of it is just kind of the setup. But let's go ahead and run video clip eight for me. I'm seeing things. I think it might be because of these drugs the army put me on. But if you could uh, just get me well enough to get back to base.
3: Right. (laughs) Kick ass. Well, don't want to sound like a dick or nothing, but uh, it says on your chart that you're fucked up. Uh, You talk like a fag, and your shit's all retarded. What I do is just like,
1: like, you know, you know what I mean? Like... (laughs) No, I'm serious here. Don't worry, Skrull. Now there are
3: plenty of tards out there living really kick-ass lives. My first wife was tarded.
0: She's a pilot now. I I need for you to be serious for a second here, okay? I I need help. There's that fag talk we talked about.
3: (laughs) Right, right, so that'll be this many dollars. And if you could just go ahead and, like, put your tattoo in that shit. That's weird. (laughs) This thing has the same misprint as that magazine. What are the answer Where's your tattoo? Tattoo, why don't you have this?
1: Oh, god. Where's your tattoo?
3: Oh, my god. Why come you don't have a tattoo? Oh
1: my god, you're not unscannable, are you? Are you? Oh my god, you're unscannable. Oh, you don't understand you gotta let me talk to someone in the army all dead. everybody i know is dead
0: oh my god why come he have no tattoo how many of you feel like this is where we're going with our medical community that we are going to be walking into doctor's offices they're going to find out that you're unvaccinated and they're going to hit the the the, the scary button that says you're unscannable ryan you think so
2: no doubt, man. No doubt. <laughs>
0: it, it's coming for us right now. Like this is a comedic representation of how ridiculous and how foolish the, uh, the, the establishment is. Our medical community has gone to checklist medicine. They're not allowed to think for themselves. If they do think for themselves, if they do have any ideas that are contrary to the narrative that didn't get put down in the little book of the guy. If you didn't see the, the video clip, if you're listening to this, uh, what you missed was is that our doctor, Dr. Lexus, is wearing a jersey. He's wearing like a scrub jersey that is uh, like a polymer material, and it's full of these different pharmaceutical brands' logos, like he was on a uh, like a NASCAR team. And so that's kind of crazy. And then it's like, yeah, what do you got?
2: Did I tell you about how I went to the doctors last week to get a COVID test for the spike protein, and they're no longer doing it anymore? And I had the conversation with my doctor. I said, you know what? I find it very strange that there has never been a, a trial study on any one of these vaccines and you guys are supposed to be doctors, right? You guys are supposed to be intelligent and not one doctor in America decided to think for themselves and go, you know what? There's no studies that show how dangerous or the side effects for these uh, to these vaccines, yet you guys still continue to give them. And then she goes, well, it's not that easy. It's not that simple. All doctors have what's called, I forget the exact terminology, but it's like an ESID score, which is basically like their social credit score or their, and she basically said, so we have different different categories and vaccines being one of them. And she says, so let's just say you you're the type of doctor who doesn't believe in these vaccines, you're anti-vaccine, and you go, okay, I'm not going to vaccinate any of my patients. She goes, if you choose to not vaccinate any of your patients, you're going to get a zero in that category, and if you get a zero in that category, you pretty much have to hundred percent every single other category because if your ESID score gets to a, below a certain level, then you're not able to accept Medicare and Medicaid, and if you can't accept Medicare and Medicaid, you can't keep the doors open. And I said, so you're willing to you're 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 telling me that. These vaccines are uh, certain ones have a 25% chance of giving a child autism. So you're not gonna warn a parent about that. You're not gonna tell them about the side effects. You're gonna inject them with this chemical cocktail that you've never researched. And we don't know how bad the side effects are so you can keep the the doors open. Am I Am I hearing that right? And you should have seen the look on her face, it's, which is like
0: sponsorship, right? So this is literally where we've gone. Mike, like I said, Mike judge is a prophet in some ways. He's looking at this and he's saying that these people are sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies that are pushing the drugs. And, and so that's the comic way of looking at it. But you know, the, whether it's 25% chance of autism or 10% chance of autism or 1%, you can't do what's called informed consent if you don't understand what the risks are. And as a as a lay walking into a doctor's office, the odds of you understanding the depth of what they're trying to share with you, if they share it with you at all, or if they give you one of these like long pamphlets, think about any time you've gone and had your kids get shots. And I know Ryan, you've done it. I've done it with my kids as well. You go in there and they just go, okay, this is what we're doing next. Like it's flu shot season. You know, do they give you a long pamphlet for you to read and like see like, oh, well these are the risks, these are the side effects, this is how we developed it, these are the safety studies? No, they don't give you that. They just tell you like, yeah, we recommend it. We recommend everyone get a flu shot. And I'm sure they're getting the you know the, the gold star for it. So in any case, yeah. uh, Mike, Mike Judge kind of locked in on something that's really scary. And so the funny version of you're unscannable, which we just saw, because he doesn't have the tattoo. How, why come you don't have no tattoo? I actually feel like some of the questions you ask your doctors will get that foolish of a response uh, when you when you kind of bring them the simple. I literally had a doctor ask me whether or not they thought my wife, who was postpartum uh, when we had our our third child. Whether or not the the doctor said, should we do the, the CT scan with contrast or without contrast? Now, as many of you can probably guess, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I was a paramedic and I've been around. I've seen people get CT scans. I have wheeled people to go get CT scans. I know that it is the right thing to do if you want to find out if there's an increase in intracranial pressure, which was one of my suspicions based on the fact that she had certain symptoms that I don't need to get into. But it was pretty obvious to the doctor as well. I said, look, this is my concern is an increased intracranial pressure. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Should we do the CT scan with or without contrast? You're asking me, a guy who doesn't know anything about. I don't even know how CT scans work that well. Like I, I, I have seen them, but I don't know how they work. And I don't need to. It's not my job. When somebody asks you how to do their job, that should be scary as hell. And so what we end up with is this highlight reel. Which, if you'll play the uh, the highlight reel with our, uh, what is it, um, Mika Brzezinski? This is something that my buddy Garrett sent me a little bit ago. It's it's been entitled "Never Forget." You can't find this on YouTube, the actual original compilation, but it's all over the place on TikToks and Instagrams and things like that. This is a, a kind of a tall format, sharing over and over the types of people. And if you'll notice, Kiv is in this this compilation. And she's talking about it too. And she's a Republican governor in a very red state. This was a bunch of people who went out there and demonized you for being unscannable, for being unvaccinated. Uh, this is how the police state kind of handles business. Go ahead and run that clip if you would, Ryan.
2: You are the unvaccinated? You are the problem. It is the unvaccinated who are the problem, period, end of story. The
1: only people that you can blame, the only people you can blame, this isn't shaming, this is the truth. Maybe they should be shamed. The unvaccinated. Just have to start blaming the unvaccinated folks, not the regular folks. Not the regular Anyone folks. Anyone you came into contact with will blame you, as will the rest of us who have done the right thing by getting vaccinated. Because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. I think it's time to get our moral house in order, Anderson. It's the unvaccinated who are the threat. All of us vaccinated folks are going to start wearing masks to protect the unvaccinated folks. It's called... A Christian value. You're basically punishing the vaccinated uh, for the the sins of the unvaccinated. People are not behaving honorably. The unvaccinated are basically saying, "Well, it's open season for me. I can do whatever I want as well." The, the unvaccinated are basically beating their breasts, running around the country, saying, "Ha, ah, we don't care. We're living free, and so
3: forth." You've been patient. But our patients is wearing thin.
2: The unvaccinated, a group that includes children and people acting like children. And the rest
0: of us are starting to get pissed off. The vaccinated feel the unvaccinated are making
3: me upset or angry. This is not about freedom or personal choice.
1: Well,
0: my. So there's a fair amount of data that showed that, the, that they were trying to make this a moral issue. You can actually hear it in the words. They talked about the sins of the unvaccinated. They talked about getting our moral house in order. They said it's the good and Christian thing to do. And they denormalize you by saying the people who, uh, you know, we're talking about the vaccinated people, you know, the normal people, and then not the unvaccinated people. That was Kay Ivey, who is actually a Republican. If you guys are cool with that keep voting the way that you are. If not, we need to start pushing the envelope for some people who think a little bit differently and speak a little bit differently. If that's Donald Trump for you, so be it. That's fine. Saying that he's the only spear that can pierce the deep state, I think is wrong. i want to play, uh, you have that clip queued up of, uh, of the fitness routine. I just want to just show this as a contrast for the geriocracy, which I find the most offensive. And it includes even people who are in the Republican party. If you are old, I don't want you running the country. There takes a certain amount of virility and it takes a certain amount of energy to go and fight up against that big crushing media machine, which is now making religious or moral arguments against you. I, I, I'm not advocating any particular candidate. I just saw this today when I was in my feed and, uh, and I thought this was this, it was eye opening to me. This is someone who's going to be in the debates tonight. I guess this is a reason to watch it. If you want to play that? Show me if anybody else is being able to do this sort of little workout routine.
1: In your mouth, bring it,
0: out, bring you heard some cool music but what you miss visually is that's uh, Vivek Ramaswamy doing a bunch of uh like I don't even know what those are called like jumping burpees he's doing really high jumps i don't know if you've ever stood in your in your standing space and then tried to pull your knees to your chest for 30 seconds which is how long that video clip is and uh and just walked away from it no problem it's tiring like It's a reason why it's a it's a fitness technique. They've got a really sweet home gym, too, by the way. He's working out in a home gym. That tells me just something about the kind of guy that he is. I like it. I've met Vivek in person. I liked him in person. He was smart in person. And here's the reason why I introduced him to an idea backstage before we went out and spoke. He listened to it. He absorbed it in real time. We turned around and got on the stage, and he immediately incorporated that thought process into his discussion about what he was going to do. He didn't have any talking points. He wasn't reading from cards. He basically rolled in there with whatever knowledge he had, whatever knowledge he just got a few seconds earlier, and employed it in a way that made sense to the uh, policies. that And all the things I was saying were, were in alignment. It was just verbiage, phrasing, and maybe a nuanced piece. I want people that know how to operate like that. It doesn't have to be that guy. I'm just saying, if you close your mind to it, you have to realize that the Kobayashi Maru scenario is as follows. This is the way I see it. And this is why you need to prepare for some outside the box thinking. You need to be able to color in the gray right now. There's basically two possibilities. I I mentioned this on uh, on my Twitter feed. So if you follow this, this is old news to you from yesterday. But let's say that Donald Trump wins. 50% of this country is going to lose their minds. And we're going to lose the country. Because half this country is going to be violent. If you thought that would happen in 2020, the riots that went on, some of you don't remember it very clearly, or maybe you lived in cities where it didn't happen. There was a, a military presence in Washington, D.C. on every single street corner in Northwest. In the area where the seat of government is, there were National Guardsmen setting up sandbag embankments. They didn't have weapons issued, but they were sitting there. And we had federal agents marching in body armor day and night, all around, armed with rifles slung. That was 2020. Under Donald Trump, because there was the possibility that he might get reelected. If you think that that is not going to be just a just a light, dry run for what's coming, you are not paying attention right now. That is absolutely the lowest threshold of insanity that we will see if Donald Trump wins. And for anybody who says, oh, then we then, you know, then we'll just take them all out. This is not how it works in America. That is a lose scenario. Okay, that's one possibility. The other possibility is he gets the indictments hold that they convict him, either kangaroo court or otherwise they send him to jail, in which case we lose again. That's a very real possibility. You need to know that just because the people who are doing it are not serious does not mean that these charges are not serious, that jail is not serious. It's the same people that have come to me and said the FBI doesn't have a charter. They're not legally authorized under the Constitution, and therefore you don't have to uh, obey them. Tell that to the four people who were shot in the last two weeks by the FBI because they are really dead. They are actually dead. And so the FBI is real. These charges, however ridiculous they are, are real. And they are incredibly serious, dangerous options, because even if the people doing them are not serious, the result will be very serious if they take this guy and put him in under state charges, either in New York or in Georgia, which is looking much more strong because they have the ability to do that. And they are dealing with corrupt and is not fair. These corrupt, you know, the prosecutor, like I said, a budget Cardi B trying to be a celebrity, They still have real capabilities, and they are really setting up for a massive crisis, pitting the Secret Service against uh, people in uh, Georgia law enforcement. That is not a good feeling. That is not a thing that we should be very uh, looking forward to in any way, shape, or form. We have to think outside of that box. We have to deal with the Kobayashi Maru strategy, which is to say reprogram the scenario. And maybe that's electing someone they didn't expect. And that person goes and leads the March on Washington to say this is unacceptable and we're taking back our government. That's a possibility. That's one option. There's another one that sits underneath a constitutional uh, argument in how to actually take the the vote before it happens. And I'm going to just sort of seed this to you. We're going to have a really kind of interesting show, I think, coming up tomorrow as well. We're going to be talking to Jacob Chansley, the so-called QAnon shaman. Um, guy who has seen the wrath of the deep state. I'm going to have him talk first, and then I'm going to try to get Leo D'Onofri on. I don't actually want to give away what he has to say, but there is a potential constitutional ability to short circuit the scenario, to do what Captain Kirk did. It actually exists within the Constitution, and here's the tease for it. Under the United States Constitution, under Article 2, Section 1, there is no there is no provision for a popular vote. There is no provision that says American citizens at large have the ability to pick the president. It doesn't exist. And if you go and read it, you will find that the electors clause, which is uh, which is clause two and the uh, the actual electoral college clause, which is clause three under that uh, article Two, section one. They explain to you very explicitly that that right exists in the state legislatures. So when we talk about acting locally, there may be a real shortcut to this. There may be that flare down the, down the windshield move. There may be the crawl through the brambles option. It's go and get away before you are actually caught. That may be the possibility that we can actually short circuit something like this. I want to hear Leo say it, and I'd love to find if you know anybody who is a, a solid lawyer who works in the constitutional space, that is they litigate based on the language of the Constitution, they do federal cases in that. I would love to have them on the show. So please have them send us a link. Um, They can come. You can contact me. either open DMs on Twitter, or they can go to kileserafin.com and hit the contact me button, and you can send a a message that goes directly to my email. Uh, I'd love to have that conversation. I want to know if this is a possibility, because we need to short circuit the simulation before we go into the lose-lose scenario. And Like I said, if you're not aware of how lose-lose works, it, it affects everybody. Even if you win the, the, the short term in the Kobayashi Maru scenario, let's say you go and you defeat the Klingons, uh, then the people die. If you don't go in and you don't get killed by the Klingons, then the people inside the Kobayashi Maru die. If you go and rescue the Kobayashi Maru, you get them onto the uh, to the Enterprise, then the Klingon warships come in and kill you. There is always a lose in that scenario. The only way you do it is you basically reprogram the scenario from the onset, so when you walk into the scenario, you're not dealing with the lose-lose. You have to add a third option. It's outside the box. And this is... This is the only way that I see this thing going down, because as we keep seeing, as as the suspendables talk on the back end, we're talking about a narrower and narrower precipice of safety and the possibility that we avoid serious conflict. And here is the conflict I'm talking about as well. Ryan, if you would bring up, we have a uh, a document that came out of uh, George Hill's reporting. If you would bring that up for me, I would like to, to go over it with people. This is an FBI document. You're not going to see it anywhere else. And just let me see if I can pull it in here pull up on my screen all right if you can show the uh, it's in um it's in Monday did you find it it should be updated in Monday
2: I'm going to I'm going to it now you can start talking about it I'll really? get it up here
0: okay ladies and gentlemen this is unclassified reporting coming out of the Philadelphia field office I'm going to switch camera views for you and what it says is uh, it's a summary of what happened. To um, Craig Robinson in Utah, it says that the agent, uh, so-and-so, we're only seeing a piece of it, so this is a piece of the screenshot, but it says, uh, so-and-so happened with the agents, did not respond to their command. Online posts suggested that the man owned a number of firearms, including a long-range sniper rifle and tactical equipment. This incident was reportedly not the first time that the man was contacted by the FBI regarding violent online threats. You're seeing the document as I am reading right here, in addition to POTUS, uh, the president The man allegedly posted threats against top law enforcement officials overseeing court cases against former POTUS, Donald Trump. And since news outlets reported the incident, social media users across various platforms have engaged in speculation and conspiracies surrounding the perceived misuse of force by federal agents, key in on that term, misuse of force. Many posts have included violent rhetoric against federal agents, specifically, uh, And law enforcement officers in general. And so then they cite a couple of things. Here's where it gets really scary. This is where the police state piece comes in. This is why even a win is a loss. Okay. On August 9th, 2023, an anonymous discussion board, why is the FBI on anonymous discussion boards, by the way, posted violent comments? Do you know what a violent comment is? Because I don't. I don't know what a violent comment is. I've never seen a comment that was actually violent, it was usually words. I grew up in the 80s where sticks and stones could break your bones, but words don't hurt you. And meanwhile, you've got these beta indoor dogs from the FBI, these analyst types that are putting this kind of equipment out there or this kind of information, and it's getting people spun up inside law enforcement. It says, violent comments advising individuals to kill federal officers, including a number of tactics, techniques, and procedures, or TTPs. That's familiar to you, uh, military and law enforcement types. Users suggested they use firearms to kill uh, federal agents in their houses during the night, shoot them through the door if they try to approach Homemade smoke grenades laced with fentanyl, sniper setups, dead man switches, keeping loaded guns near the front door, front doors with booby traps with poison gas canisters, a mounted, here you go, this is really good, a direct quote, a mounted automatic sentry weapon that will gun down the door. That's in direct quotes. This is what this analyst thought was a serious uh, discussion. Incendiaries to defeat ballistic shields and helmets, all in direct quotes. On August 9th, another anonymous discussion board, because the FBI doesn't respect the First Amendment, discussed the importance of researching U.S. federal agents' houses and finding their homes, doxing these individuals, targeting the agents, start planting IEDs, tracking U.S. government officials, begin killing them. No evidence this is happening, obviously, and we're going to get to that. Uh, August 10th, another anonymous discussion board made in comments about the Utah incident, demonstrating government overreach and employed calls of actions against law enforcement. These are people who say, quote, I hope someone shoots them too." quote, start blasting pigs, quote, investing in drones right now, end quote. I like that investing in drones is the same as someone shooting law enforcement officers to this person. Um, They've talked about how to make a a doorbell that they can use uh, with some sort of homemade incendiary device. This is all listed out there. Another one, they go back now a year to July of 2022, talking about a publication of Terrorgram Community uh, entitled The Hard Reset, Encouraging Radically racially motivated violent extremists or RMVEs, you'll remember that from the Catholic document we put out, committing violence against various targets, including perceived grievances against law enforcement, blah, 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 blah. Here's the best part. At the bottom, which you can't see, it's a little small, maybe Ryan can zoom in on the bottom of it. It says, uh, unclassified for official use only. Analysts note, at this time, the DVIC is unaware of any specific or credible threats targeting law enforcement officers in the Philadelphia region. However, the FBI-involved shooting in Provo, Utah, could motivate threat actors to violence against the law enforcement community. It goes on and on talking about Ruby Ridge and Waco, uh, things that many of you are useful are, are familiar with. They talk about uh, false flags and psyops and the belief that all this stuff is being planned. So this is the analyst telling you not in a uh, this is not in an objective way. The analyst is telling you that there are no credible threats, uh, but there could be threats. That is the ultimate gaslight. That is what happens when you have a weaponized law enforcement agency that is going out there. And what are they doing? They are hyping people up and letting them know that uh, someone could be coming for these federal law enforcement officers. So that ratchets up the threshold. That's going to ratchet up the people who go out there because the uh, the way the law enforcement shows up is more aggressive. And then when there's more aggressive law enforcement, it creates a more aggressive backlash by the people. People get shot, and then we have a whole new cycle. So shoot somebody, then get mad about, then get worried about uh, the fact that you shot somebody and people didn't like it. Those people are going to react more aggressively. The federal agents are going to react more aggressively. Then they have to shoot another person. And then we start the cycle all over again. This is how we ended up with things that happened in uh, both Waco, that happened in Oklahoma City, that happened at Ruby Ridge. This is a replay of the 90s. And interestingly enough, at that time, we almost defunded some of these federal law enforcement agencies. The ATF was on the way out the door at that time. It didn't have a home. Many people can look back and see that the reason why we had Uh, some of the actions that happened at Ruby Ridge and also at Waco were because the ATF was trying to make a name for itself and justify its budget. And so to justify its budget, it killed people when there were way better techniques to be used. And they've always been better techniques. Going in, they could have grabbed uh, David Koresh when he was grabbing mail. Many people know the story. They could have done a lot of things. He was out in public on a regular basis. But they chose for a flashy raid in the same way we saw what happened in Provo, in the same way that happened in Albuquerque, in the same way that happened in Philadelphia, in the same way that happened in Henderson. This is a predetermined course of action. Once you start introducing more upgraded violent tactics, you are going to get a small percentage of people that react in an aggressive way. And this is not justified. And they just noted right here, no credible threats targeting law enforcement officers in the Philadelphia region, but we're going to get you all ginned up anyway. That's really scary stuff. This is the stuff of the police state. You get the police scared of the people, you get the people scared of the police, and then you move forward with whatever actions you are trying to do. You've provoked them into the action of violence, and then we end up uh, seeing more violence and violence begets violence. So I request a Kobayashi Maru scenario that we look and short circuit the stuff before it happens. Ryan, go ahead.
2: I got a question for you, Kyle. What would be the, the line in the sand that you would draw when you would either say, I need to get my family out of this state Like what line does the government cross that when you're like, all right, I'm putting on my night vision and going out into the mountains to snatch souls that like, where is that line?
0: It's, it's uh, not a line that I figured out yet. I think that's the difficult part for all of us. And that's why I'd like to see it not get to that. Cause that is a, that's an ultimate lose, lose scenario. When you start moving into a survival mode where you're going to be dealing with this stuff. I don't want us to get there people. And I think we can avoid it narrowly. But we've got to be aware of it beforehand. So like I said, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, As far as like getting my family out of a blue state, if I was living in a blue state, the answer is when you have a family. The minute that you're responsible for young lives that are not going to be able to go out and be a counterinsurgent the way you are, that's the line for me. You guys all got to make your own decisions. You're all responsible for them. But I do want you to have a little bit of empathy for the people that are in the same scenario that are working for these jobs that are part of this. If you're not willing to move. If you're not willing to pick up and go somewhere and solidify the red bases in places where you want to see policy enacted and live under the kind of laws that you want to live under, maybe you should have a little bit of grace for those that are out there against it.
2: Can you can you explain that a little bit? I know you, you got to run here, but uh, for anybody out there that's living in a blue state, I'm in one with my, with my son's mom. And why would you say that it's important right now to start looking to get your family out of here? Like, what is the... What is the aftermath of what's coming and or how dangerous it could get? Like, what is your warning to people that are living in these blue states right now?
0: Well, the biggest one is what we just talked about with the masking, the fact that people who didn't want to get vaccinated or get their kids vaccinated. There was something like a third of Democrats that were surveyed, a third of people that were getting the vaccine shots said that they thought it was acceptable to take your kids away for that. So if you're living with children, you are living with a liability. This is you know the, the lovely part about having kids is they slow you down and you get a chance to, to have some of the most incredible experiences of your life by being a parent. And yet you have in, enormous responsibilities. And it's the reason why we played the, the, uh, the Little House on the Prairie clip the other day. The, the option was they could stay in Kansas in the house that they built and the life that they built. And they could hang out there and get overrun by the Indians who are now going to be authorized and the U.S. government wasn't going to defend them. That was a possibility, but they chose not to. They went for the safety of their family. I think when you have kids and you're a parent, your choices start getting limited. You start making decisions. Think about all the things that you've given up in your life, quote unquote, given up. You've chosen to give up because it's the right thing to do for your kids. You don't go out and go and drinking at bars. My wife and I were laughing about this the other night. There's like no reason why we would go out and spend a night out at a bar anymore. It just doesn't exist because we have little kids that need to be taken care of. And they are far more fulfilling and they're far more interesting. But they limit some of your options. You don't have the same options. If you are young and single and you want to engage or you're unmarried and and you've got grown kids or maybe you're married and you have grown kids and you want to be a counterinsurgent behind enemy lines, knock yourself out. But those of you who are looking around and saying, man, I don't want my my kids taken away. We just had another mom in California, if you read The Daily Wire, who who lost uh, her job because she specifically stood up and said she was not on board with the LGBTQ agenda that was going on uh, in San Bernardino. I mean, it's out there. It's waiting for you. It's a trap that has been sprung already. It has already been set. And you can walk into it like you've already seen people in front of you get taken out by it. So if you're not paying attention to that, you can make a plan now. I'm not saying everybody has to immediately pick up and beat feet, but I'm just saying, You've got options. I know that uh, my buddy Bongino has also made the same recommendation. It doesn't mean it's not—it's not hard. Of course, it'll be hard. But the the danger of putting your kids at risk of dealing with some of these insane blue states. I drove around through Northern California, and we were there for a family funeral, and they have signs up advertising how proud they are that they're going to be funding late-term abortions with state money. So you're funding a lot of evil when you when you live in that area. And if you're doing it so that you can fight back, there's a way to get away with it. I get it, but. It's a difficult time. Before we get too deep in the weeds on that, and we will talk uh, some really weird stuff, I imagine, tomorrow with Jake. I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Like I said, the QAnon shaman, um, who I feel comfortable with, I'm going to let him introduce himself. But Jake Chansley is going to be joining us tomorrow for a uh, live interview, so definitely tune in for that. And as you saw, we'll uh, we'll put this uh, this FBI document up on our Twitter page as well. So if you're not following us on Truth and Twitter, you can find it at Kyle Serafin. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been The Kyle Serafin Show. For Wednesday, August the 23rd, and we are streaming you live from Liberty Hill, Texas. Probably get canceled off YouTube, but for the five of you that watch over there, looks like ten of you are watching right now on YouTube. So we do appreciate you guys sharing the message on our platforms that we are not primarily on. We do stream live from Rumble.com/slash Kyle Seraphin. That's where you can find our channel. Give us a thumbs up on there if you like what you have to hear. If you can share this message and make it a little bit, uh, a little bit larger, if you like. Uh, We have over 650 reviews on Apple, so we do want to thank you guys for that. And today's review comes from Jarhead Hooser. Jarhead to Airman. I assume that this Jarhead is calling me Airman. I'm okay with that. It says, don't stop what you're doing. Your Wednesday 8.15 show was one of your best. Get on more guests, too. Dave Sawyer. Okay, so Dave, thank you for that. We will have more guests on, like I said, like tomorrow's guest. I think you guys are going to want to tune in and see what he has to say. I'm going to ask him some hard questions because I have some real, real serious concerns about what makes somebody show up looking like that, like he was going to you know, like a Vikings game. But I'm going to give him the opportunity to say it in a fair way. And uh, I know many of you have seen his story in other places, so you won't be hearing necessarily something groundbreaking. But I always try to get to that one moment where somebody says, no one's ever asked me that before. I'm going to work on getting there with Mr. Chansley tomorrow. Um, I want to say thanks to Ryan Matta for, uh, for the production today, playing up all the clips, getting it all queued up, did a great job. So follow Ryan Matta on Twitter at Ryan Matta, M-A-T-T-A. And don't forget, you can find your Suspendables merch at the-suspendables.com, the-suspendables.com. You can find the Suspendables merch. There it is right there. The merch has been freed, Uh, the-suspendables.com. Go find a t-shirt if you like it or some of the other stuff. We got some lapel pins if you want to wear it, if you're dressing up, that will be kind of nice. And that supports Garrett Boyle, our friend, FBI whistleblower and uh, probably also sitting out in the chat. Don't forget to like this video. Subscribe if you are anywhere uh, where you can subscribe. And we do appreciate you listening on the audio podcast, too. I hope today was a little bit more audio-friendly with a little less of just the long music pieces. Folks, we'll see you again tomorrow on Thursday. Have a great day.
3: Thanks for listening to The Kyle Seraphin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash kileserafin. Follow Kyle on
1: Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle kileserafin.com.